I think what I carry forward is service. Service to my country, my family. Hi, I'm Catherine. I love hearing people's stories. I always have. In 2021, an idea came to me to talk to 10 people I didn't know about a meaningful day in their life. I posted the idea to my neighborhood's Facebook page and connected with 11 people who were willing to share. We met in one of our homes, and these are those conversations. For me, when I hear someone's personal experience, I understand them better. I feel connected to them through common ground or a common feeling, and I always and inevitably learn something from them that helps me in my own life. I don't know what you'll find in these conversations, but I hope it's something good. I'm so grateful all around to everyone who participated, and now to you for listening. I truly hope you enjoy. Let's jump right in. Today's conversation is with Kenneth. My name is Ken. I'm 70, I will be 78 years old this September. Uh, I've been living in Nolensville now for a little over six years. And my wife and I are both retired, so we're here living the, living the dream, I guess. I'm so grateful that you're doing this. And is there anything that you want to talk about? Is there any day that jumped out? Well, the, what, what I, I, it won't be as personal as you might like, but this is, this, this is a day that uh, a person that we were very close in 1967 through 68, he was getting in contact with me. In, uh, after graduating from West Point, I had an obligation to stay in the Army for four years. And part of that obligation during, I got out in 65, so part of that obligation, as you might naturally respect, would involve Vietnam, uh, which I arrived there in, in May of 1967 on an advisory team in a Tuicon district in Vinh Binh province. That's province you can think of as a state. The Tuican would be like a county, and the advisory team that I was assigned to initially was consisted of, I'm going to say five to six Americans, and we we had one translator. His name was Juan, spelled H-U-A-N. Juan, when Vietnam was divided in two countries, Juan was a Catholic living in Hanoi. The communist I'll say you use the word persecuted, and more or less they drove them out of the north, and he, Juan settled around Saigon. He actually had gone to college when the, this war broke out, and he was inducted into the army, and because he could speak English, he was a translator. He was assigned to our team, and we were... Uh, we were supposedly, as an advisor, we were supposedly advising on anything, governmental matters, and and uh, when they went out on military operations. Basically, we did the military and then coordinated any military support. One, I, I got there, as I say, in 67. One was there the whole time I was there, and he... We we parted ways. I had no contact with him. I, I came home in May of 1968, had no contact with him. I got out of the Army in January of 1970, really occasionally thinking about people that I'd served with. And uh, Juan had, as I later found out, Juan had had uh, come to come to the United States not as a boat person, 
although his wife was, and he might be an interesting person, too bad he didn't live closer. But his wife came as a boat person. They wound up settling right outside of Dallas, Texas. So one day, this was, we were still living in Springfield. This would have been about, I'm going to say 15, I'm going to say somewhere around 19 or 2012, 2013. I get an email from my West Point Graduate Association. They have a site where people can go to and ask to be put in contact with with graduates and Juan had knew that I'd graduated from West Point so he contacted the society and they sent me an email with his his information we 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 uh, corresponded and he he wound up coming uh he was going to Huntsville he had a uh, Alabama he had a wedding he was going to he drove up from Huntsville with his wife and we met and that was the that was the first time I'd seen him in for 32, 40-something-odd years. Uh, first thing I did was apologize to him for what the United States had done to his country. But Juan, had, uh, he had been looking for me, trying to, I guess, get in touch with me since he, he arrived in the United States in 1975. So he'd been searching for me. He basically, at that time, was looking for a sponsor to help him. And, he wound up working for Texas Instruments, came basically with what he had on his back, came, wound up working for Texas Instruments, uh, also does some contracting on the side, but here's a person, and I, I look at it every time I see a, a person that's out, young person out begging, here's someone that came with, I guess, minimum education, no real, no real support here, started out zero and has a fairly decent income now and i'm i would say i'm very proud to have known him and that the day that we first met or not met but first got in contact i guess my i guess I, i'm sure i smile very big and we've since talked several times we had had a we had one of our members that had uh had died uh, this was really the only the, the only one I know on our advisory team had been we had a couple wounded, but he actually was a KIA. I'd I'd mis misremembered the circumstances, and Juan and I he we corresponded about that, and he was able to kind of inform me about the, the the gentleman. The he was a medic that had he was killed in a roadside ambush. So it's fun, and I won't say fun. After he got in touch with me, I got some of the others we call baby. I was he, <laughs> six, or seventeen-year-old radio telephone operator. He got in contact with me. I talked to Sergeant Green, who was another NCO. But that kind of started him getting in touch with me. He put me in contact with David Walters, who was baby, and then he put me in contact with. With John Green, who was a NCO, I think I don't know for sure, but I think John had cancer the last when I talked with him. He's he was some older than I was, so I'm sure he's passed away. But just the fact someone had taken the time to run me down is uh, kind of makes you think you had some impact on them. And I guess the one one big memory I have of from Vietnam is uh, the people. 
it's all about people and relationships. But one of your the times in Vietnam, you're you have the, during a one month tour, you have a a week or two weeks R and R. I went to I met my wife in Hawaii, and then coming back <laughs> there the way we get from we. would Fly with the airplane into Vinh in the capital, and then helicopter into Tuikan. Uh, they had a big banner <laughs> written, written just stretched out, uh, welcoming me home. And uh, and I've had uh, I can't say my my army experience. I, I wouldn't. I don't think I would trade it. There's some part maybe I would have changed, but just the fact that Juan had taken the time to find me kind of as a happy moment for me out of and I, I can't you know there's things that goes on I was there during Tet 68 uh, not really to the point where we were down south if you, you probably wouldn't know the we were in they divided Vietnam into four corps I corps being the northernmost and then down to fourth corps where I was and the higher you got the more intense it was and we were down in a that fairly low intense thing. That's amazing that he contacted you after all that time. If we could take a step back. So you said you went to West Point. Where did you grow up and how did you end up there? <laughs> uh, West Point. 19, I, was, I graduated high school in 1961 from Salina High School, which is in Clay County, which right up on the Kentucky line. We're about 40 miles from Cookville. My wife doesn't like me to say this, but if you if you know where Clay County is, you either fish or lost because you have no other reason to be there. Uh, but it, there is a was a television program on at that time called West Point Story, and they they were true stories about what went on at West Point. I I guess I was intrigued by soldiers in general, and how you play as a child, you might play war or something, and you. Watching that, my parents, I was the middle of three boys. My, we were all two years apart. My mother taught school. My, my father was a, worked for the Corps of Engineers, which they operate the dams on the Cumberland River. And he worked there. So it's been a struggle even at that to have us in school at, you know, at two of us at a time for six years. So a part of it was... I guess the biggest part was just the intrigue of West Point, and the other part was maybe some assistance with my family. I don't, I don't think that that would be the biggest part. It was, uh, and I, I was all before I, you, you get an acceptance to West Point, you pass a test, but you have to have a, a appointment also, and that's done by your congressman. And I, mine uh, was, uh, gosh, what was his name? the lake's name for him. Anyway, I had an appointment for him, from him, as far as I know, the first one from Clay County. And I'd, I'd also, not knowing whether you're going to get in, because you get a, they look at your grades and then you're, you're accepted. I was, I was all set to go to Swanee to study forestry. So I got an appointment, I got, I was notified, I think maybe in May, in or May, middle of May, then you had to report to West Point in July. So that's basically you 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 have some interest. Saw the 
the uh, television show, and that's how I got interested. I got the full four years. So you graduate? Graduate, go to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. That's served there for a little over a year. So that makes in 66. In the 66, we my, met my wife. We were married in June of 66. In probably, I'm going to say by September, I had September and October, I had orders going to Vietnam. But they send you, sent me to a foreign language school in El Paso, Texas. Sent me to a, a civil affairs school at Fort Gordon. And I guess those were the two places that we went. And then those were two to three months duties. And then you, you, you put on a plane to go to Vietnam. What was your specialty? Like, what, what did you study? My MOS was seven, uh, Bravo. Seven, what was it, Bravo 1502, something like that. I can't remember exactly. means you can jump out of airplanes and shoot at people. That's infantry MOS. Is that what you wanted to do? Uh, you really don't know. When you graduate West Point, you, have, you, you're going, you know you're going into the five combat arms unless you're, you are very smart, which by smarts you... You, how you stand in your class. I, would, I didn't, I didn't uh, stand high enough to make a choice. I had one classmate that went in the Navy. His, ad, his daddy was an admiral. I had several classmates that go and went into the Air Force, but the rest of us, and we had one classmate that went into the Marine Corps. But the rest of us were in, usually in the five combat arms, infantry, armor, artillery, signal or engineers so you're going into one of those two and then they after that you they kind of whatever go from you might get into intelligence or other things but basically you're one of those majority of us when i say majority i don't know what exact percent but we went to you're an infantry we, we, we went to infantry that uh and you're as i say the higher you are the, that's where you get a choice so maybe some of the higher ones chose infantry my expectation coming out, I really, really didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. You you wanted to learn and do your do your job, and especially, you know, you when you're you're an officer, you're responsible, and you want to don't want to say you were, did got some did something stupid and got somebody hurt. So I can't say that uh, that I wasn't they didn't put me on a plane. <laughs> Paul clawing the thing to get on it. But I will say that I did such a good job, they told me I could go back a second time. So and you that, got that, on that plane after that training, and you land? Land in, in Vietnam. They give you an orientation. Because I'm going to MACV, they give you an orientation about a week. Uh, then they send you to where you're going. You, the really, in my feeling at that time, because I had a... Uh, on the plane, smaller airplane, maybe might carry 10, more, no more than 20 people. It went on there with one NCS. We're all going down to Vinbin, and we're going to go out to Vinbin's comprised of all these counties. He's going to one place, and I'm going to another. But he, 
this plane lands, he starts locking and loading. That means loading his thing. <laughs> my thought is, we fighting to get off here? Or? It's nothing. It's just, I don't know why he did that or why would he did it. So, and that's, it wasn't, wasn't, was nothing. We, you stay in Vin Bin, I stayed in Vin Bin for some more orientation, and you get on a helicopter and you go to your, where you, where you're going to be. And how long were you there in total? Uh, total, uh, there one year the first time, and then from July, the day Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, I left the next day to go to second, the second time. So July to November for the next time. So then you were there and? Signed to, this time I was assigned to a Vietnamese uh, infantry battalion, so we're operating in the field. They're, they're in a setup around a refugee camp. They're about, oh, maybe two hour hike through rice paddies from where I was the first time. So we left after Tet. You think, well, it's just pretty much all over. They've shot their wad. There's nothing happening. I go back, walk into into Tuikon. It looks more heavily fortified than when we were there. But uh, then we were there going out with, we went on operations around that area we were, and then they, we were, the battalion moved from there to a uh, operation. I don't even know what the name of it was, but we were down in the Yumen Forest. That's for more south. It's beautiful down in there. You, if you, you know, if it's might, if you didn't know there was somebody going to shoot at you, you might think it's pretty. But we were down there and opera and operating in there, and I got shot, and we I came home. My goodness, you. Made such an impression on Juan, was his mm -hmm, name? Mm -hmm. And did you meet him early on? Oh, yeah. He it, was. It was he the was, first time you were there? Yeah. I didn't see him the second tour at all. Okay. He had, they, they'd heard this, all three of those people I mentioned earlier heard that I was shot and killed. That was what they heard. And I guess, hopefully, they were gratified when I called. And I wasn't, but yeah. That's, I didn't, see, as I said, I didn't see him after that. He had. He, he, after that, if I can ask, this is my memory, and sometimes it's not that great. I think he told me he, he operated, he stayed there and then went and worked with some Australians for a while. He actually thought he was going to Australia from Vietnam when he was there, whenever the bug out was, when they took overran the presidential palace and everything. So he, he left, he got to leave, but he went, he actually landed out in California and worked his way to Texas. Wow. So, but I mean, this man spent so much time trying to contact you, so you must have had such an impression on him. Do you know, was there I anything in particular? I have no idea. I know I was, at that time, I, I was, uh, I, I'd made, I was first lieutenant, made captain. We had, let's see, one, two, three senior advisors that he may have can't remember whether he might not have known Major Purvis. He was there first. And then we had another major. He got, we were under mortar attack. Nothing, I won't say major, but we've, he, he more or less froze. 
and I had to start. I don't know whether that made the impression on him. When I say froze, he just, what am I going to do? A lot of your non-infantry officers came to, you had to be in Vietnam and into, you had to be assigned the, the, the big badge that if you're going up in rank, the big badge they want to combat infantry badge. You have to be in in a situation they they deem uh, at least two months. And, uh, that's a lot of them were didn't belong there doing that sort of thing. He was probably one of them. I don't know whether that was, but we we got along fairly well. I mean, I I didn't. A lot of um, I think American troops looked down on the Vietnamese. Gosh, I, from the way they operated, you could see them taking before an operation. They'd take vitamin K that helps blood clotting. Because there's, you know, when American, I, I was actually told later by a guy, by a, he was he retired as a, I think a, maybe a colonel, but he was an oil surgeon. He said if the chances were almost in the high 90s, if they if they picked you up and you were alive in a helicopter, you were going to survive. Now, the Vietnamese didn't have that. They weren't flying just to pick up Vietnamese. Some of them, if, you know, we had casualties. Probably you just dealt with it the best you can, carried them along with you. So a lot of those didn't, Vietnamese troops didn't have the backup support the Americans had. But my, this is me talking. Remember, I, I got a voice just like Joe Biden now. Uh, I had no respect for Joe, but that's neither here nor there. But as I say, I, I think I got along with the Vietnamese. You, you know, there's, you know, there's, they're just like us. You made all kinds of them. Some of them were motivated. The, the, my second tour over there, this battalion commander, he's basically a career officer. I, I watched him go into an area where there was all kinds of foot mines. He went in at least three or four times carrying his people out on his back. So that when somebody tells me they're not so good soldiers, horse hockey. Wow. So you went for your first tour and you met Juan, and then you went for another tour, and after that you were shot, and then you came home? Correct. How was your recovery from that? Uh, mine was basically through and through, lift, lift, leaves big scars, not a whole, I have, have some mobility issues now more so than I did then uh, but recovery from that was <laughs> I, when I got home I was we I know we came came through Alaska I was in Mudivac to Japan we came I know we made a stop in Alaska and then we came to there's a base in Illinois and I can't think of it right now and then they take you closest to you, like your MOS. My MOS was Salina, Tennessee. So we're, I, I asked them to take me to Fort Benning. I had gone from Fort Benning, the, the second, my second tour, I went from Fort Benning to Vietnam. Uh, but that's my, my wife lived in Atlanta at the time, and that was close. And I was just, then they, they were going to, they, they met they, from this base, from Illinois. They sent me to Columbus, Georgia, and in Columbus, Georgia, I was met by Dr. Bostic and my wife. Dr. Bostic was her classmate, 
So he showed her how to dress my wound, and I went home. I didn't stay and stay there. Wow, I can't imagine what that was like for your family to, to hear that you had been injured, uh, but to yeah, at least be able to be reunited and see that you were okay must have been well, such a relief. I, my mother, I'm sure, and I'm sure my wife, too, was first telegram was, I can't remember she could maybe tell you, but more or less I was wounded, but I was doing all right. So if you count losing 10 pints of blood, all right, I was doing all right. <laughs> So you came back after your second tour, and how long did you stay in the Army after that? Uh, well, I knew by then I'd, I had uh, decided I wanted to become a dentist while I was in the first time. So I just, when, I, when I'd gotten my four, we had a four-year obligation, so when I got that happened, I sent my note yet to request to be separated from the Army. So I sent that in, <laughs> and within a couple of months, I had orders going back to Vietnam. So they could, they once you have a, a what we call, they call a regular army commission. If they need you, they can hold on to you. So they held on to me for. And I got, I I was I was uh, dismissed from service in January of nineteen seventy. So did you go back a third time? No, no, no. no, but no you... I came I came back, but they they have to process you. So I'm November to getting whatever my getting they're looking at me deciding you know i have to be what healed enough that they'll separate me so then in january they separate me i go to i know i'm going to dental school i apply to dental school i know i'm because of west point you not don't have a lot of chemistry and so i have some courses i got to take and i do that at georgia state apply to dental school accepted and 19 no, 71, I entered dental school. You said you knew that you wanted to be a dentist when you were first tour. Like, just, where did that come from? I'm just deciding. Well, my wife had worked for a dentist in her hometown. And I think, well, what, now you're getting out of you don't want to, You don't think you want to stay in the Army. What can you do? What, and I'm looking, well, you're decent with your, your hands. You know some science. So she put, I guess I got the idea from her, well, become a dentist. Uh, so we go to go after I get back. That's where I we start working towards. So we've had a child by then, one one child. So we leave from Atlanta with two dogs, a baby, and two cars, and head to Memphis. We had some. She had some family friends there who had found a house that we could move into, and so we we moved to Memphis, and then. You became a dentist. Became a dentist. Did you enjoy that? Uh, I will will tell you the longer I was in it, the less I enjoyed the people, not necessarily the work. And I don't know. You know they say there's a high suicide rate. I can't tell you I ever contemplated suicide. But you're working on people that aren't. And and uh, if you you've been to the dentist, or some of them are very afraid. Yes. So you're not catching people at their best. I'm, by nature, I find humor in just about every situation I get into. And some of them, uh, I'm, I can remember one lady, very loose tooth, scared to death. I anesthetize her. And, and, and I grab a hold real tight. I'm 
fixing to pull, and you could probably take your fingers and pull the tooth out. And I said, you ready? And I said, well, you can open your eyes. And I showed her the tooth, and she, she hit me on my shoulder. But I have, I mean, as I say, my, sometimes my humor is not appreciated, but I, I do find that I, I find humor in, in things. And I can, you can be serious, too, but I, find, I tend to find humor in a lot of situations. That's a gift, and that could be a really beautiful thing. So you're working as a dentist. You have some children living in Memphis, and then no, not living in Memphis. Living, we're in Memphis. And after you become a dental school, we have one child, and three years later, you're uh, you're a dent, you're a, a DDS. Uh, as long as you pass the boards and the the test, the skill test. And so you look around, and where do you want to practice dentistry? Uh, one option would have been to come back towards her hometown, and I didn't do that. We went to we looked at the three places in in Tennessee and decided on Springfield. So in 1974, we hung out a shingle in Springfield, practiced there for th- 30 years, 2004. Then decided she had retired from, she taught school, taught school, maintained a home, helped me in the dental office. So she was worn out anyway. And she retired in, from teaching in, in 1999. And uh, I retired, basically retired. I just didn't go back to work one day. In 2004, a guy had bought my practice. So you know, I knew I was phasing out anyway. My father, was in the hospital. I'd had both knees replaced when, and uh, he passed away. This was in November of 2004. And I had, had intended to go back to help to work with this guy that took my practice, and I just never did go back. So then we, we stayed there in Springfield. I was a, an alderman for 16 years in Springfield. An alderman? Yeah. What's that? Uh, you run the town. Oh. <laughs> so when did you get the first email from Juan and all of that? I, this would be, this is again a memory in, from one, I, I know 2015, because I know that was the last time. We had just moved down here that, that fall he came. So I'm going to say in 2013, sometime in there, and uh, I'm looking at pictures, it was the summertime. I'm going to say somewhere in around June of 2013. And he, and, you know, a couple of emails, you know, there's always questions, well, what do you want? You looking for money? What? You know, because we just, what have you, but he just wanted to. He just wanted to connect and just mm-hmm. talk. So you had a couple of emails and then you ended up meeting up. Mm-hmm. Did he come to you or did he, you? He, he was, as I say, he was he was going to a wedding in Huntsville, Alabama, which not not really, it's a good little distance still from Springfield. But he said, "I would like to come up and meet." So he and his wife drove to to Springfield, and then oh, maybe two years later, that we'd moved to Nolensville, he came and we we came up here again. What he was what he was doing, he was in this area, and we're going to be. So we met up down here the second time. And so, then we're, again, very occasionally do we email now. 
So that first time that you met up, you said you didn't really know what he wanted. Like the night before, did you guys decide to go out to eat, or did That's you invite him over? He, he didn't spend the night. He came. They came up, drove up. I can't remember where they. I think it was a weekday. I think. And then we 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 met. At, he drove to my house, and we drove went to a restaurant, ate, and talked. And then they they went. We're going. They went back to Huntsville. What did you think of that? Was that strange to see him after all that time? And obviously, oh, it's such it a different was, context. Uh, it was as I say. It's I have very little contact with. He's probably the only one. I've I've kept up with two people. What I say, keep up with. From my army career, one is a he was my company commander. Uh, he lives in Georgia. Uh, we re correspond regularly, and then one. So, and they have West Point. I, it's a very close your class. They have we have reunions. I've gone to one one of my classmates' funeral, but I didn't know him. Uh, I've, others that I. Sh- I feel like now I should have gone to that I knew better, but I didn't for whatever reason. Uh, but I haven't kept real close contact. The two that I met, that they have, they used to get together when I was in Springfield. There's two, two classmates that lived in around the Nashville area. They used to get together once a month to to eat over in on the other side of of uh, Nashville and the Goodlettsville area, and I just, for whatever reason, I didn't hit anything off with one of them was too liberal for me. He's a preacher. Uh, another one, like he was, <laughs> he's very smart, but I, the, I just didn't, there wasn't anything there for me, so I just didn't do that anymore. You kind of just drifted yeah. away, so the, you know, meeting up with Juan was kind of just a way to reconnect, but like you said, from what I understand, you guys met up those two times and have emailed some, but it hasn't. No, we haven't. It's no, no budding really. We don't, you know, we don't exchange Christmas cards, or I haven't been down to in the his area because we don't, we don't, we're not. This is, you know, it's a. My wife didn't like to drive, so it'd be a flight if we did it, and it's just, I don't know that I would feel, not that I don't don't like him. I have some, quite great, a great deal of respect for him and what he's done since coming to this country. Uh, just you said he was a translator. Yeah. Do you know how he learned English in the first place? Well, he went. He had some college, so I'm assuming that was where some. He took some English there. And mm-hmm. I, when I say English, he he did he he uh, he would if you used a lot of. Uh, um, idiom may not be the right word, but if you used a lot of slang, he might not understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would, you know, he would correspond with it. I remember one, we were out on operation uh, with him, and we were we set up in an ambush, not too far from where that I told you that team member was killed. We set up in an ambush, and we we set up a Claymore mine. I had an engineer, and he was. He was going to do the. He was going to activate the mine, of Claymore mines, about like this, made up of a lot, a lot of pellets. So when it, when you set it off, it, like a big shotgun going off. Anyway, this, this so we're set up on the ambush. It triggers. He, they fire the Claymore. He fires the Claymore. One, I've got a, a flare. A that's you. What you do is you hit it and it. 
gives you light. He's trying to tell me to hit the flare, and I can't, I'm not understanding what he wants. So finally we do that, but that's, you know, that's just, we're, you get some excitement when something like that happens. So. Well, all this time now, since you were in the Army and, and you went to Vietnam, what do you think of it now? What do I think of Vietnam? Or your experience there uh, in, in I the Army? I, th- I thought at the, t- at the time that we were doing something important. I think the politicians have, have uh, hackneyed that. It has no importance other than 50-some-odd thousand deaths. Uh, the very the first time I went to the Vietnam Memorial, very humbling. As I said, the first thing I told one when I saw him is I apologize for what we had done to his country. Now the communists did a lot worse than we did, but we did some. We were responsible. And I don't have and probably. I bet, I bet I could ask you a lot of things about Vietnam. You just know the name. You don't know why how it started. You don't know. Uh, why? What? Why they overran the country as quick as they did? You may not even know that. But basically, when they, we had the cease, ceasefire, and in, in Nixon signed the ceasefire with them in the seventy-one, seventy-two, we promised the Vietnamese that we would replace bullet for bullet, bomb for bomb, plane for plane. We didn't do that. Guess who was in charge then? With Nixon's party. So that's to me that that was inexcusable for for that what we did. It's it's like all these politicians, big slobs sitting up there get 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 this country involved in wars and you know, this doesn't touch them, so care not. That's again, that's how I feel. That's... Yeah. What did that experience give you? Like, did you carry things from your time in the army that helped you in other parts of your life, or was there a lot that you kind of had to sort through? Uh, I think what I carry forward is service, service to my country, my family. That's why I got in, became an alderman was service. Saw some things I thought needed to be done, and and did it or tried to do it. But I, I think uh, the the motto of West Point is duty, honor, country. You see your duty, you honor that duty, and then your your country. That's what you're serving. I don't see that now. I see a lot of more so of uh, when I see. Let yeah, me get on my little platinum soapbox. When I see all these professional athletes, I don't watch professional sports because they use that as a platform to denigrate this country as far as I'm concerned. If they denigrate the flag, they denigrate the country. So I don't I don't care about them. They don't care about it. I don't care about them either. They, I turn them off. That's how I approach them. So I, I love baseball. I played it ever since I was that high. I love it. Played, managed to make the freshman team at West Point. So, and I love the Atlanta Braves, but I haven't I haven't watched uh, the only team I the only sports I watch watch a little golf used to play a lot of golf but I watch uh, Vanderbilt baseball and I like college football uh, love West Point football. Would you so you have a couple of children? Yes. Did you talk to them about joining the military? No, I didn't. I won't say we took our oldest son. We took he was a. 
think a junior maybe. We took it. We, we used to take family vacations. We get in a car. We're going north. We're going west. We're going east. No destination till we get in the car, and we have wound up at West Point. So I'll go in, talk to the reg, the admissions people, thinking Jason might be interested. No, no, he's not interested. Then, in 2019, uh, we want to take a. I guess you call it a boys trip. So my two sons and my grandson and myself go back to West Point for a football game. Uh, atmosphere you can't, if you've never been to a football game at West Point, it's different. Uh, we go to a parade. They have a parade now. Before they have every, every Saturday is a parade, except when we did it, well, there was only two, two regiments, which is about, well, there's about 2,000 cadets when I went. Now there's 4,000 cadets. But they only only two regiments marched this time, not all four of them. But anyway, they, make, they have skydiving. And make, it's a big, big thing. The Secretary of State's there. To, Mike Pompeo was there for that weekend. Received, received some kind of award. He's honored during the thing. And then, then you go to the football game. Uh, they want to sit next as close to the cadets as they can, so we're we're sitting here. Cadets are ten feet over here, so uh, it's kind of funny because Jason, after that, because we were we I stayed with he and his son and Jeremy, the youngest son, came up separate, so he's in another hotel. But he's he's saying, "I wish I'd have come up here," <laughs> but. Uh, He's a he's a cardiac a cardiologist, so he's he's doing all right. Just overworked, but uh, I don't know what the question was. No so they didn't really show an interest in joining I, the military. No, they did not. I didn't push them any any anyway. Your their mother, if if any 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 education wise, she did most of it. I can, I'm not going to take any credit for that. I uh, provided some genes, but basically she was there when they, if they needed something done, she she did it, and she did it at some sacrifice to herself. So uh, I'm not, no way would I, I, I might some, I, I did scouting for 14 years with that, and don't, don't, didn't regret that. Made some, again, I'd look at service, I mean, I think you're, you're obligated as a, citizens to do some form of service that you're not getting paid for. You do it because you, you feel an obligation to do it. I'm wondering what, as a Vietnam vet, you think about the veterans who have been to Iraq and Afghanistan? Well, my, here's my feelings about veterans. I see you see ads on TV all along for give this, give that. Somebody that's suffered a, a horrendous injury, there shouldn't be a, anything they want for, whether it be house, appliances that they have to wear. And uh, I, the, the Army that we have today is much, I think it's, of course, a lot smaller, I think, than what we had in Vietnam. But they're, more, they're better armed, better educated, I'd, I'd say better motivated. Then, because we were, well, you had draftees when I was I was in, and some <laughs> some of them didn't want to be there. Uh, story along those lines, we had 
at, at Fort Campbell when I was there in 60, I got there in 65. One brigade, there's three brigades. One brigade was already in Vietnam. They, were, they decided somewhere in not long after I got there, they were going to start up basic training, take an, do some airborne training, and fill these other two brigades up and send them over to the first brigade. So we we started basic training, draftees. I remember I just one kid that uh, he did everything in the world to get out uh, to the point where he told us he was gay, and some sergeant asked, told him he would take him out. We asked him if he wanted to go with him out in this little room and prove he was gay. So the boy wound up drinking Brasso, which is something they shines brass with and toxic. So he finally got his Section 8, but you don't want that on your record. But that's, I don't know, it's just a different different army. I, when we were even at West Point, I was thinking, guys, they're probably not anywhere near like we were up there. But when I saw what they were involved in, very impressed with their intelligence, the training they were doing based on, of course, it builds, everything builds on it. I'm, hopefully we were better than the ones before us, but very impressed with what's going on at West Point. But for is what I think of the vets, I, my hat's off to them. I, I try to, any, especially in Vietnam vet that I see, you see a hat or something, you know they were there, you, I would say welcome home because we didn't get a welcome home. I didn't, I didn't get spit at or anything like some of them did. I talked to some that have, but these kids that are coming back now, especially the ones that are, you know, missing legs and, uh, and they, they volunteered for that. It's not a, not that they were sent. They asked to do it just like the, the, the guy from that left the, the very lucrative job with professional sports in football and wound up getting killed by friendly fire over there. And then you got some basketball players couldn't think his way out of a that yard, the little yard there, telling me he's gonna, about how he's gonna kneel when they've got the flag or singing the national anthem. Got no use for him. Have you been back to Vietnam? I uh, have not. Now, Juan has. He's gone back. He's actually gone back to, uh, he's been there several times. He still has his wife, mother. She can, <laughs> They brought her over here. She didn't like it. She went back. So they go back. He, she and, he goes back more than she does. But he's been back. He's gone, been back to actually Hanoi. And, uh, but uh, I have not. You know, it's to me, it's, and I wouldn't, I, I, at first my brother, I've had a brother-in-law, he's my, as far as I'm concerned, he's my brother, but he's worked for Delta Airlines, so he gets basically free flights, and he's wanting to go over there, and, and this Juan's even offered to go with us, so I don't know, if I, I don't think we'll ever go, I don't don't know. Don't, that's not real. I won't say that's high on my bucket list to do. If I went, I'd want to go back where I was and just to see how that's changed. I wouldn't care anything about it. There's nothing, nothing there that I really, you know, would want to go. Even I have no, go to Hanoi or anything. 
I heard it's a beautiful country. Oh, I'm, it, it was beautiful when I was there. It's just people were shooting at you. Final question, and this is a little bit different. Can you tell me one thing you really love about yourself? Uh, I love, my, I guess, my family. I'm blessed with a wonderful wife and two wonderful sons and two daughter-in-laws and grandchildren. So I think family is it's important. The older you get, the more important it is. So, yeah, I'd say family. Well, thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful that you spoke with me. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave a comment about this conversation, maybe what you're taking with you from it. Make sure to check out the other conversations if you haven't already too. You can also send me a message if you have a story to share. I'd love to hear it. I'll be working on a new series soon and you could be a part of it. Sending good your way. Until next time, take good care.